Good morning, every nation. Awesome to be in the house of the Lord this morning. How was that worship? Let's give God one more round of praise. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He keeps His promises. You know, he, he, we, we set an appointment to meet with Him at 8.30 on Sunday, 10.15. Uh, he's, he shows up long before we show up. I was at the prayer meeting before the service, uh, in the first service, and uh, I was blown away by the presence of God that was in that place. As I walked in, I could just feel awesome, awesome, awesome presence of God. And it is through prayer that we'll see God work in our city. So I want to just start by saying Happy Women's Month. Let's honor the women. Men, let's just give them another round of applause. Let's honor the ladies. Ladies in the house. We love you, we honor you, and the role that you play in society to help us transform our city through discipleship in the word, the presence, and the power of God. Yesterday, there was a ladies' breakfast. heard that it was amazing. Uh, the theme was vessels of honor. And this morning, when I look around, I see vessels of honor. You know, I was told by my wife, thankfully I wasn't there, I was told by my wife that it was an awesome, awesome time. So thank, we're really grateful for what God is doing in and through the lives of the ladies in our community. This sermon series that we have been doing, it is called, What If? What if we were designed to win? And I know it's a rhetoric question. It's what if? And the reason for that is, can we believe that we are born to win? Can we believe that we were designed to win? Do we believe that or just... Another thing that the Bible says and we don't believe, what if we were born to win? What if we were designed to win? Last week, Pastor Roger spoke about together we win. Together we win. Yes, we want to win, but we want to win together. We want to take the city together. We want to take our nation together and make a difference in our nation. This morning specifically, I'm going to be focusing on community designed to make a difference. We are building a community designed to make a difference. And the question will arise, how do we make a difference? We make a difference through loving God, loving people, and loving our city. We make a difference through loving God, loving people, and loving our city. In fact, it was on Friday morning, I was uh, having coffee with this uh, young gentleman. And while we were at Tasha's uh, Rosebank, I saw, I noticed this young man that was right next to us, and I felt like we need to share the good news with him. And normally when you share the good news, it's, it's not so much about their response. It's, you, it's about you being obedient to share the gospel with him. You have to be obedient and just share the good news. They will choose to receive the good news or not. And as we share the good news with this young man, right there and there, we give him an opportunity to give his life to the Lord, and he gave his life to Jesus. Yes, we can celebrate that because heaven rejoices for one soul that gives his life to him. And that's how we're going to transform the city, one soul at a time. That's how we're going to transform the city, when we can share the good news with people. This morning, as I focus on loving God and loving people, it is because we are trusting God that as we love him, as we love people, we will build a church that will influence and breed a healthy city. We'll build a church that will influence a, a healthy city and healthy nations. When I talk about the church, it's not just our church, it's the body of Christ. We are the body. And when the church is healthy, 
It will breed healthy cities and healthy nations. And uh, a couple of weeks' time, we'll be studying a sermon series. It will be more like a campaign called Bless the City, where we'll be unpacking how does it look like to bless the city. And we'll use opportunities to bless our city. We're already having conversations with some of the leaders in the city on how we can be a blessing to the city. So this morning, open with me, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 42. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 42. This scripture is going to take us and, and just zone us in. And how does it look like to love God and love people? How does it look like to build a community that makes a difference, a community that brings change to the lives of the people? I'm reading from verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling all their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, in the NIV it says every day, day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and sincere and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. May the Lord bless the reading of the scripture. When I read this portion of scripture, you would understand that there was a background that led to where we are with the scripture. When you read your Bible and you see certain sections in Scripture, when you get to this section, it speaks about the fellowship of the believers, believers in community. But before this, you read Acts chapter 1, it was just before Jesus left and ascended to go to heaven. Scripture says that there were a number of people that had gathered there as Jesus was ascending. Some of the Bible scholars that say that there were about 500 people don't quote me, quote the Bible scholars. It wasn't me that said there were 500 people. But fact is, a few days later, when they had gathered together for Pentecost, there were only 120 that they were together. There were some words that Jesus said before he left. And Jesus said that when I go, I will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you on the day of Pentecost. But what intrigues me is not all of them were there when the Holy Spirit came. It was only the 120. And the Bible says the 120 that gathered in the upper room, Scripture says that they were all together in one accord, praising the Lord together in one accord. They did not have an online church. Let's talk about it for a bit. They were together in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came. They did not receive the Holy Spirit through Wi-Fi, just for the records. I mean, lately people do church over a Facebook Live. You know, just keep your phone in the church and I'll join with you in the Spirit. That's Facebook Live. That's not in the Spirit. Some people lately, they do podcasts and I'll just do church at home. There is something about the gathering together. There is something about gathering together. There is a certain blessing that comes when we gather together. It's like the worship we have this morning. You cannot have that worship alone at home. You can't have worship where the presence of God comes when you're alone at home. But when we gather together, there's a certain blessing that the Lord releases. I don't know if you heard when Pastor David prayed and spoke this morning. He says, Lord, release a blessing that will carry us for the rest of the week. There is something about the gathering together. 
there is something there. In fact, verse 41, before 42, it says that 3,000 came to the Lord that day. 3,000 came to the Lord because they had gathered together. The Spirit of God came, and 3,000 came to the Lord that day. So we take from that uh, background and that backdrop that so many people came to the Lord because of the gathering of the saints. And the Bible says they continued to devote themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. The word devotion means to give constant unbroken attention to something, to give constant unbroken attention to something. What it means to us is uh, when we think of that word devotion, it means that we need to give our constant attention to something. We need to give constant unbroken attention to something, and that is to prayer, to fellowship, to the apostles' teaching, and to the breaking of bread. I was just thinking and pondering about this word, uh, to give constant and broken attention. Doesn't it sound like covenant to you? God is covenanted to us. He's constantly giving attention to us, and He's giving unbroken attention. God is saying, I'm covenanted to you, and I want you to be covenanted to me. It was on Friday, my wife, uh, busy preparing for the ladies' breakfast, she asked me to fetch the kids from school, and I was just fetching the girls, and uh, the, the, the older one ends school a little bit later. The younger one ends school earlier. So I was going there to fetch the, 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 the younger one. And while waiting for the older one, we had about an hour and a half to kill. So I'm having a conversation with uh, my youngest. And I'm saying uh, to her, can we just go to this restaurant, fast food restaurant, make note of that, to have a drink. And then we'll wait for your sister and pick her up later. And she said, no, 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 Dad, we can't go to that fast food restaurant because Mom said, we don't do that restaurant. Didn't we agree that we don't do that restaurant? If you do go to that restaurant, Mom will be so, so unhappy with you, she's going to break up with you. I'm like, who are you and what do you know about breaking up? Seven-year-old talking about breaking up. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? And uh, she goes... Well, I know mom will not break up with you. She loves you so much. And I know you will not break up with mom because you love mom. At that point, I realized that she has observed this constant and broken commitment we have to each other. That she knew that fast food restaurant will not break us up. <laughs> My wife said, Amen. It was so interesting because at that point I, I said to her, do you, want me, do you want us to call mom? Maybe we'll say to her, we're going to have healthy milkshake if something like that exists. Constant unbroken attention. God wants to have that kind of commitment with us. So if we say we are building community, we're loving God and we love people, we need to have this devotion, constant unbroken attention. And the Bible speaks of this kind of constant and broken commitment in the word prayer and the word uh, and community. I put it in these three words, devotion to the word, devotion to prayer, and devotion to community. Devotion to the word, devotion to opening up the word and hearing what God has to us individually. There's a place for personal devotion, but there's also a place for gathering together to hear the apostles' teaching. 
In fact, when I was young, I remember the Sunday school song. I don't know if you remember it. Read the Bible, pray every day, and you will grow. Read the Bible and pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. I like what John Wesley says. He says, read the Bible and pray even if you don't feel like it. Even if you don't feel like it because you will grow. Something happens on the inside when you read the Bible. In the 26 years I've been a Christian, I can only think of a few times when I haven't read the Bible. There are times when maybe you wake up in the morning and you have to rush. You can pray in your car. You can pray on the road. You can pray in the taxi and have revival, especially in the Uber. Read your Bible and pray every day. I like what Ravi Zacharias say. I mean, it doesn't have to always be in the morning, but this is his discipline. He says, you have to plan it, your devotion to God, every day. It was in the Bible. It says every day. And the best time to plan it is before your day begins. If you don't plan it, your day will plan you. And so make a disciplined life. And so I make a disciplined life of study of the scriptures, reading the word every day. We don't know who Ravi Zacharias is. He's one of the best apologetia uh, teacher that we know. He's one of the ones that engages with atheists and shows them what the scripture says and answer tough questions. But it stems from this discipline of being in the word. You do well to read the word daily. You do well to open this word because it will feed you and you will grow. They devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is not all about presenting our requests to God. It's also about connecting with God. Prayer is also about connecting with God. The best definition of prayer I give myself is prayer is a ravenous desire to stay connected to God. Prayer is a ravenous desire, like the song we sang earlier on. As a deer pants for the waters of the valley, so my soul longs for you. Prayer is that ravenous desire to stay connected to God. I came across this amazing quotation by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you don't know who he was, he was a German pastor, one of the uh, anti-Nazi movement. He wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship. So interesting that at 37 years old, he was arrested. At 39, he was executed. But he had written this book that in the book he captured that whatever it will take, I will die for the cause of the gospel. And this is something that he writes about prayer, a number of things that he wrote, but he writes about prayer. And he says, a Christian community either lives by the intercessory prayers of its members for one another or the community will be destroyed. Just pause there. It's either we pray for each other or we'll be destroyed. I can no longer condemn or hate other Christians for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble they cost me. In intercessory prayer, the phase that may have been strange and intolerable to me is transformed into the face of the one whom Christ died. The face of a pardoned sinner. That is a blessed discovery for the Christian who is beginning to offer intercessory prayer for others. As far as we are concerned, there is no dislike, no personal tension, no disunity or strife that cannot be overcome by intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is the purifying bath into which the individual and the community must enter every day. This is to say to us that when we pray for one another, we start to see each other differently. 
When we build community, we will miss each other. When we build community, we will hurt each other. We will offend each other. But when we pray for each other, we will make it work. When we build community, there will be times when I will offend you. I will hurt you. But when we pray for each other, we will see each other like the transformed face of the one whom Christ pardoned and died for. So saints, this morning, as I talk about loving God, let's be people of the word and let's be people of prayer. Let's go on our knees and pray for one another. And one of the most practical ways we can do that is my last point is devotion to community. You know that when the pastor says my last point, that's when they start to preach, right? Devotion to fellowship and breaking bread. In Afrikaans, they call it kair. I haven't found any other word like it. When you kair is when you hang together and build community together. Verse 46 says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Day by day, they went to the gathering of the believers. They went for apostles' teaching, but they also broke bread in their homes. So if you are banting, you're not eating bread, you better repent. It's in the Bible. We have to break bread. Maybe find a bread that is healthy. In the days we're living in, uh, there's a concept of crowded loneliness. Crowded loneliness is uh, the way I like how they describe it in Urban Dictionary. Uh, if you go to Urban Dictionary, you realize that people give their understanding and meaning of something. One lady writes and says, I was in a party with 500 people, but I felt lonely. Another one writes and says, I invited some of my best friends to my house, but I was lonely. How can that be? How can you be lonely, yet there's people around you? In fact, someone writes and says there's seven reasons why we experience crowded loneliness in cities today. And one of them is because we find social gratification on the glowing screen. We find social gratification on the glowing screen. The cell phones has taken the place of connect. The cell phone has taken the place of having eye contact, giving someone a smile, giving them a word of encouragement. As I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself because I know how the cell phone has taken that place. I don't know if you've seen this video uh, they showed from Cape Town, how people fall into ditches while reading the text. So I'm helping you not to fall into any ditch. Do your best to have eye contact with people. Do your best to give that smile. When we talk about community, there's two words. It's common unity. It simply means that what are we commonly, regularly, frequently united about? What are we uniting about? Another great word for community is a communion. When we take the Eucharist, when we take communion together as the children of God, we remind ourselves of two things. One of them we emphasize a lot is uh, when, we, when we take communion, we participate in the remembrance that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross. Amen. We are where we are today because Jesus broke his bread, broke his body on the cross for us to be saved, to be born again, to live the lives we're living today, to be able to win as God wants us to win. 
But the other one that I find it's missing, and it speaks of communities, when we break bread, we're not only talking about Jesus, the bread of life, we are also Jesus' body, so we also need to be broken. We need to be broken. And you say, Pastor Sai, where do you get that doctrine? First Corinthians chapter 10, 17, it says there is one loaf. Even if it's Albany, I don't know what bread you eat, but it says there is one loaf. There is one body. We who are many form one body. We all share one loaf. Where am I going with this? This is the point. When we take communion, when we break bread, we remind ourselves of Jesus, but we also need to be broken for our society. We need to be broken for our city and for our nation. We need to pray like Bob Pierce prayed and say, Lord, break my heart with the things that break your heart. We need to say, Lord, break us for our city, break us for our people, break us for our community, break us for our nation. That should be our prayer. When we break bread, we are actually not only breaking the bread of Christ, we are also breaking ourselves. Now, here's the challenge for us today. Are you prepared to be broken? Are you prepared to be broken for his city? Are you prepared to be broken for the people who do not know him? Are you prepared to be broken in order to be in the community of the believers? Are you prepared to be broken? When the Holy Spirit came, they were all together in one gathering. So the three words I find from community is we have a a common destiny. We have a common goal. We are united around something. The second word is communion. And the third word is to connect. When we connect with one another, we get to encourage each other. We get to strengthen each other. We are like yoke fellows. It was on Wednesday I met with one brother. I noticed that he'd been going through a rough patch, and I met with him for coffee. And I did my best at that time to not try to solve his problems. As men, we are very good at doing, right? You know, a guy is talking and telling me what he's going through, and I'm like analyzing. I was restraining myself not to solve the problems. And at the end, we prayed, and... Uh, I, I, I let him go, and then later he sends me a message. He says, I'm feeling better. There's something that happens when we listen to one another. We carry each other's burdens. We carry each other's burdens. I was blown away because it's the same guy who says, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to start a group with that guy that you led to the Lord on Friday. I want to disciple that guy because I'm going to disciple someone out of my brokenness. I'm going to break myself so that I can be able to be a blessing to others because my healing will come from being a blessing to others. Now, the point about that is, as the children of God, are we willing to connect with one another? Are we willing to go the extra mile and connect and be broken for what God wants to achieve in our lives? I was so encouraged by one of our connect group leaders I was talking to yesterday. And he says, you know, there are times when you don't feel like going to connect. I know it never happens to you. It never hap- it happens to me sometimes. I don't feel like going to connect. But I, I know what connect does. It does something to you. And he says this one time he was not feeling like going to connect. And he goes to connect and there's a new guy there at the connect group. And this guy starts to share, part of their check-in, he starts to share that, guys, I'm really in a bad place. I'm about to break up with my wife. Things are not going well. And the guys in the group, they start sharing their stories and they say, you know what? I was right where you are before I joined this group. 
I was just about to break up with my wife. We had issues that were really, really, really challenging that we didn't know what to do. And the other guy also shares the problems that they were going through. Says, coming to this group has helped me to go back to the basics and find my center. And there's the connect group guy sitting there, the leader, watching this ministry happening in front of him. And he's saying, Jesus, thank you, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He left there so encouraged because at times you go there, even when you're feeling tired, you get rejuvenated by being in the gathering of the believers. It did say in Scripture that they broke bread in their homes. There's something about when we meet at our homes. Connect groups are there for us to carry each other and to reach out to others. Uh, One of the guys in my group, he works for a big tech company. He says they were exploring how to mentor people online and He says, yes, we can do training online and do other things, but there's something about when we sit together and have face-to-face chat. You cannot explain it, but there's something about it. There's something about when we sit together. And he's experienced it in the Connect Group, and he's saying, can we do things differently, influencing his company? One last quotation from Ed Stetzer. This is what he says about transformational groups. He says, people in a group read the Bible. People in a group read the Bible and pray more regularly. Confess sins more frequently. They didn't say they don't have sins. Yeah? They confess sins more regularly, share the gospel more freely, give more generously, and serve more often than those who are not in a group. My wife and I, we've been part of groups all our lives, all our Christian lives, and some of our best friends is people we've met through small groups. There are times when maybe you're going through a season, you're not able to be in a connect group, especially those who've just had babies. Grace for you. But most of us, we actually don't have an excuse not to be in a group. Even if it's one person that you're meeting with, that's a group. Because we need each other. If you read Mark chapter 2, an amazing story of this four men who brought their friend to Jesus. The Bible says that the place was so close, there was no place to go in to take their friend to Jesus. The Bible says these guys, they opened up the roof to let down their friend to Jesus. What amazes me the most of the story, it's not that Jesus looked at this guy lying on the mat and saying, wow, this guy needs to be healed. The Bible says when Jesus saw the faith of the four men, when Jesus saw the faith of his friends, he had compassion on him, prayed for him, said, son, your sins are forgiven. You can now walk and go home. So my challenge to you this morning is when your faith is weak, who carries you to Jesus? When your faith is weak, who carries you to the Lord? Do you have men and women that when things are tough, they can carry you to Jesus? That is our take away this morning, that we can have men and women in our lives that we serve together with. That as we serve together, as we connect together, We can sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we will get a new revelation of what it means to be in relationships with one another. I pray that we'll have a revelation of the importance of connecting with you through the word and through prayer. I pray, Lord, that we will see, Lord God, that we need to be in community. I also pray that out of us as a church being healthy, We can be able to bless those who are not healthy. We can be able to bless our city. Lord, I pray even for those who are here who may not know you as Lord and Savior, that today, even as they make a commitment to be in a small group, that they will have a great encounter with you. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God the big round of praise.